Thanks. That was something I wrote about myself pre-COVID, you know, so I'm on the sixth year. Um, now I get kids outside a whole lot more than what's possible. I apologize to you that we're not outside today. Um, a wise man once said, there's no bad weather, only bad clothing. Most of you are wearing horrible clothing. Uh, and to boot, the, uh, the wonderful manicurists of the yards have just mowed, and so we'd be tracking like eight you know, bushels of grass in here. So um, we'll do what we can indoors, and probably just as well, because uh, you're quiet and I get to talk. And I'm good at talking until I think of something to say. But I want to read something to start us off. This whole notion of us going into teaching, um, I think many of us came into it uh, high in the category of idealism. And then realism came along. And sometimes it's like this. Is there a point where it can be like both high? Both the level of idealism, the level of realism. And Jesus spoke these words saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And Peter said, do we have to write this down? And Andrew said, will this be on the test? And James said, the other disciples didn't have to learn this. John said, I have to go to the bathroom. Nathaniel said, I have a dog. <laughs> and the Pharisees said, where is evidence of your anticipatory set in the cognitive domain, and how does this fit in with your Mar Marzano growth plan, and will your assessments be summative or formative? <laughs> and Jesus wept. <laughs> of how do we keep that idealism going when there are so many constructs that we have in our way of what we have to get through. Uh, quick introduction. Um, my name is Phil Warners. I taught for 17 years. I took a 16-year vacation by working at a camp. I've been back in the classroom. This is year number six now. I have uh, only one wife. I have um, six kids, five grandkids. Um, life is great. I'm also celebrating um, year number four, uh, cancer-free. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things I've learned is if I'm in education, I'm only going to pursue what's important in education. Because honestly, we deal with a lot of crap. And um, what I'm doing now is important, and I'm excited to share it with you. We uh, 
this obligatory intro thing, right? So you can get to know me a little bit. And I don't know you. I don't know your school settings necessarily. I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't know uh, what your thoughts are about this huge concept of outdoor ed and what you hope to gain from this. So what I'd like to do is, is kind of try and shoot down the middle a little bit. Um, and somewhere between theory and practice, I'm going to kind of bumper car my way through. And uh, those of you who are note takers and you want to encourage me by just writing like crazy, even if it's a letter to your daughter or something, I don't know, that's fine. Um, but I also kind of want this thing to be a conversation. Um, and I brought a couple people in to make sure that conversation happens. So let's get started this way. I want you to know that I had this awesome sectional all planned out uh, with facts and figures and, the, uh, and all this good stuff. And um, I threw it in the wastebasket because it's, uh, it made me sound like some sort of an expert. And I'm not. And it made me think that I had all the answers as I read through my notes, and I don't. Um, so rather than that, what I'd like to do is set up an objective for what I hope to get through today. Uh, give us four steps of how I hope to get there. And uh, if we run out of time, we run out of time. If they kick us out of here because we're still going, that's fine too. But I, I'm more than willing to hang out and just talk shop with anybody afterwards. Uh, my one goal for us today is not that you set up an outdoor education program like Holland Christian has, like Ada Christian has, like Rockford Christian has. That's not the goal today. The goal I have for you today is to get kids outside. Adjust the mindset of yourself, of your school, of your organization, and get kids outside as much as possible. Now, we can talk all about the whys of that. Maybe we'll get to it in a little bit. But we'll talk a little bit about the urgency of this. Number two, I want to let you know a little bit about what's going on at Rockford Christian School with our uh, brand new baby of a program that's just getting rolling. Uh, number three, I want to hear from other people what's going on in other areas, uh, other schools in terms of outdoor education. And then finally, uh, and this will be hard with a group this size, but I would love to brainstorm and say, all right, now, how do I teach this outdoors? Because that's ultimately where I want to get. Just getting you in the mindset of, okay, yeah, I'm having my kindergartners learn circles and squares and erratic. Take it outside. Let them find an old bottle cap. There's my circle. Well, let them build sticks into a square. There's my square. 
and all of a sudden, rather than just making it sterile learning, it's tactile learning as well. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. So let's talk a little bit about why there's an urgency right now. Um, I think we need to make sure we recognize uh, terms and buzzwords when they come along. And instead, we ought to take a look at this notion of outdoor education. And if there's 50 people in this room, there's probably 50 different ideas of what that thing is. Okay? Um, is outdoor education just this notion of basic classroom stuff I'm going to jump through anyway, but I do it outdoors? Or is it, is it agricultural education? Or is it environmental education? Or is it all science education? Or is it stewardship education? Yes, 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 yeah. It's a beast. It's a big thing, right? But I think it needs to make sure, or I think we need to make sure that it starts with this notion of um, experience. It's all experiential education. 2000, when I started at, at um, a job at Camp Roger, um, we had just put up our, our climbing tower and our zip line and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the label was going around back then of, this is experiential education. Okay. But all of good education should be experiential. That's how it gets down into the marrow of who these kids are, I think. And sure, um, a climbing tower can be used. For education, but so can a pile of sticks, and so can a hole in the ground. A lot of different things. Uh, but I think it's urgent for a lot of different reasons right now. Uh, much has been written, um, particularly in the last 30 years, of um, the benefits of outdoor education, right? Richard Louv, Last Child in the Woods, and a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, he he came up with this, this coined term of how our children in America have nature deficit disorder. We're out of touch. Um, the research on how it affects, how being outdoors um, can affect and help kids with ADHD, with anxiety, with depression, with isolation, it's kind of unrefutable. Um, it's there. Uh, we got to know how to deal with it. We wonder sometimes why uh, our, the obesity rate is rising so much. It's because kids are inside a lot. And you can buy soda pop instead of 12 ounces, 44 ounces now, right? We got all this, all this stuff going on. So I don't think this is just a passing fad um, in schools right now. I, I think outdoor education. Um, I think it's here to stay. What it's going to look like, I don't know. But I think it's here to stay. And uh, as Christian teachers in particular, I think, we've got to figure this out. Because you see, we have this extra mandate, right, of being stewards of creation. 
of being tree huggers. But as stewards of creation, if we're keeping our kids inside more and more and making them more and more uh, reliant on technology and on video games and on stay at home because mom and dad are at work, keep the doors locked, this notion of fear, um, how do we ever expect them to transform into environmentalists or even caring about the outside world? The outside world is a place to avoid for a lot of kids. And that, to me, is a, that's a little scary. I mean, being out of education for 16 years and then coming back into it, I think there's also been a shift in parenting. I'm, I don't have any empirical evidence on this. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Um, but I'm old, so I get to do that. The whole notion of comfort and safety in our children has become a hallmark of good parenting today. Adventure and discipline have certainly sunk lower on the priorities. Oh, are you going to be okay outside? It might rain. <laughs> Set the kid up for failure right from the start. I'm sorry. I editorialize sometimes. But we can we can even just do it send the implicit message of how scary and dangerous and awful the world is because we don't let unsupervised play happen. We don't know our neighbors as well. We don't have neighborhoods in the same respect. My point, it's needed now more than ever to have outdoor educational uh, options available for kids. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not, my kids are athletes. I was an athlete. I think there's even a little bit of a danger in um, kids organized sports when they're really young because, sure, they're outside on this beautiful manicured soccer field. And all of the play that's happening is orchestrated by a coach, not by kids themselves. And so, never mind. I won't fill in the blanks. <laughs> no, not today. Not today. Okay. So, if we can at least buy into the fact that this is important stuff. If we can at least go from there. Uh, let's also remember the nature of a child. When our kindergartners come, they're the, the most curious kids on the face of the earth. And somehow by the time they get to middle school, that's lost. Why is that lost in the construct of how school works? I think part of it is curiosity is who we are by nature. We were born that way. God gave us this desire to be inquisitive and want to find out more. But our school has sent implicit messages. Okay, oh, we never say it out loud. But the implicit message as you get older is, hey, don't be curious because, you know, you got to get a right answer. you got to get a good standardized test score. That's more important than curiosity. 
And I think that's very subtle in how we raise kids. But I think it's there. I think it's there. Okay. In short, I think the case could easily be made that our kids, our students, are less and less and less connected to God's world, to God's created world, than they were a generation ago. And I can only imagine that trend kind of continuing. Alright, so what does outdoor education look like? I don't know. I know what it looks like at our place. Okay? Um, my school, my district, has gone out on a limb here and actually hired a full-time K-8 through outdoor education teacher. Me. <laughs> and um, in this grand experiment, um, what they're really saying to their district, their constituency, is we believe this to be really important. We want our kids to know about it. And so when I start telling you what's going on at Rockford Christian, please resist the mental temptation to yab at me. Yeah, but you got a full-time outdoor ed guy. Yeah, but you don't know what my campus looks like. Yeah, but this is... Shut up with the abbot. <laughs> Instead, let it spark ideas, okay? And maybe as I just yak away about what we're doing, and then you want to hear what's really going on, I'll get Reuben up here in a few minutes. He'll tell us what's actually happening and the right way to do it. Shut up. <laughs> uh, but at least get the ideas flowing a little bit. Uh, at Rockford Christian, I'll admit uh, we're very blessed. We've got 36 acres of property. Okay? And uh, it's a former apple orchard. Everything was mowed down. It was nothing but a field, 36 acres of field. Uh, God's uh, blessing through a generous donor. We get the land, build the school. Um, sorry, Matt, but the school, you got to admit, it looks a little bit like Turtle Creek Casino. The school, you know. Uh, it's got this um, almost like country club vibe as you come driving up. Um, and uh, I met a guy once that said, you got a sod farm out here. Yeah, it's true. We mow like everything, right? And I'm thinking, outdoor ed here, yeah, we got the property, but we've got to change the mindset of people. Um, because everything was trimmed and so we got a ways to go with that. We got a ways to go. We had no woods on our property anyway. Um, fortunately, we were able to talk to a neighbor who, um, well, River Rock Church shares our building, but they had property that was actually wooded. They gave us access rights to build trails out there. So that's been good. Um, the other battle that we have, I think, at Rockford Christian is that not all folks see the need for outdoor. I think they appreciate it. I don't think they all see the need. Um, last year I did a survey. Um, we have every month a theme in my room on the bulletin board. It could be water. It could be um, national parks. It's been uh, yeah, plastics and all recycling, all this stuff. We did a theme on national parks, so I did a survey of our middle school students. Um, 
And I gave him a list of the 62 national parks, and I said, how many have you been to? And we had a couple of these well-traveled families that got us into double digits. Uh, more than half of our kids said zero. And we're a semi-affluent school. Bottom question was, how many of you have been to Florida? 95%. Okay, so getting outdoors means where it's comfortable, where it's safe, and all that stuff. Uh, on paper, my schedule looks a lot like a PE teacher's schedule or a music teacher's schedule. Kids come to me um, for either 45 minutes uh, elementary school or hour 40 if you're in middle school a week. Um, the nice thing about uh, middle school is that um, I have that as a block time so that we can go out and do all kinds of different adventures and all sorts of different things. Um, I have my own classroom that often smells like a, a dead snake because I lost one and uh, I can't find them. Um, but he's in there, if you know what I mean. Um, but we also... Uh, Anybody want to come find a dead snake with me after today? We have a great partnership with Camp Roger and their esteemed outdoor ed department um, over there. Uh, Scott DeYoung does a great job with them. Um, but our kids will go there. Uh, how many times are you going there this year, Matt? Three times? Three for middle school. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's been huge. That's been a real bonus. Um, COVID taught us that it's a good idea to get outside once in a while. Um, and so the other ongoing project right now is at our school, every single homeroom also has a designated outdoor classroom um, that's mowed out of the fields or built into the woods or whatever. Um, they get to design it, they get to build it, they get to maintain it and all that good stuff. Okay. Now, one of the other, I think, worthwhile things I did for the first time this year is I had some eighth graders help me write up a school-wide outdoor ed manifesto, a list of promises. And uh, I was gifted this, thanks, Matt, I was gifted this uh, adding machine tape, rolls and rolls and rolls of it. Where did you ever get that stuff? A drawer. A drawer. <laughs> and so... We took it and we wrote our four promises on the adding machine tape. Okay, now you're getting kind of long. But every single kid in the school and teacher and adult sign that thing. And we have it now just kind of draped all the way around our room. And we can keep coming back to kids and say, hey, look what you signed. Um, for those of you curious, these were the four statements our eighth graders came up with. I promise to learn all I can about the uh, amazing creation God has made. I promise to recognize my responsibility in caring for and protecting God's creation. I promise to be environmentally responsible in my choices I make uh, regarding what I use, how I use it. I promise to gain in the knowledge that all of this world belongs to God. I put that one in, but I had to talk them into it. <laughs> and that we have been blessed with the task of caring for it. Not all our kids have been through catechism, so they didn't know. <laughs> so we've got that. 
as our overriding banner um, for why we exist and why we do what we do. Okay, so what does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis? This is where hopefully some ideas could spark in your brain too. Um, in elementary, K through four, um, I only see them for 45 minutes at a crack. Um, I am always in connection with teachers about what are you doing? What do you need help with? What can I do in outdoor ed that will benefit what's going on in the classroom? Um, and unlike art, music, PE, um, that's not break time for teacher. Teacher comes to the outdoor ed with the kids. And I think that's really important, especially if we're doing things together. Uh, so for instance, in fifth grade, they're doing on the ark. So we went outside, we measured how big the ark was and played some games inside the ark. Um, Second grade was talking a little bit about the story of Ruth and gleaning. We didn't, she wasn't sure how to deal with this gleaning idea, so we went next door to the orchard and helped our neighbors pick up apples that were drops. We were going to sell them for the deer. This notion of what gleaning is all about. Um, power of water and buildings and weather. Uh, Karina, our third grade teacher, was teaching it. So we partnered together with some ideas about we're going to build this, let kids build these structures in a spillway, and they got so muddy, it was so cool. Um, but zoo week prep, and each week, you know, so it's this notion of it isn't a standalone curriculum. You hear what I'm saying? It's how can we work together to do what you're already doing outside. Last year, um, fifth grade was having a difficult time figuring out how to deal with complementary, supplementary angles. I killed that one in like five minutes. Let's go outside, find a twig, look at another twig coming off it. Ta-da! Done! Check it off your list. <laughs> you know, um, it's not hard, but God has blessed us with so many things out there. Just got to open our eyes and think of new ways of seeing things. Middle school is a little different uh, because I've got them for a time block. Um, we have a partnership with Michigan Department of Transportation. We maintain two miles of roadway. Um, so we can do that during that time, uh, twice a year. We've got that ongoing partnership with Camp Roger. We were able to uh, build a mile's worth of trails on our property um, that kids built. Um, we have our current eighth graders are the last ones, so I got to get work, working at this. But uh, we have a half mile trail through the woods that has signposts, and each post has a different talking point. Our eighth graders are the ones who are trained to give nature hikes to younger kids. We've had it too, where the principal comes down and says, We got a family that's just visiting. Any of you guys want to give them a hike through the woods? And, you know, everybody's hand they want it go out and, and share what they've got. Three times a year, um, each middle school class will go to its adopted park. Uh, we have each class adopt a park, and they have uh, three different visits. First visit in the fall, learn everything you can about the park. I try to get a, a representative from 
whoever the supervising jurisdiction is to meet us there, talk to kids about this park. Winter is recreational, spring is some sort of park improvement. And build in the kids' notion of how important parks are um, in our community and green spaces. Three times a year, they're also involved in a volunteer project. Um, not just go there, do the work, feel good about ourselves, um, a one and done. I want them seeing it over time. Um, and Matt's group, for instance, we go on Tuesday, playing song in seventh grade, uh, playing song farm right out by us. Um, but to be a part of the fabric of a place, not just come in and do it one time. Uh, we started an apiary. For those of you nodding but don't have a clue what apiary means, um, it's bees. Um, and we got a grandfather uh, in our school who's just, he goes ballistic over bees. And um, so we turned him loose and um, we've got beehives going on. Kids are gonna help us harvest honey. Um, we are also have a campus filled with uh, Russian pear trees, stupid ornamental trees that have no right being where they are but we can't cut them down because people donated money and now have a plaque, you know, in the office. And I'm thinking, why didn't you put sugar maples all along that front driveway? That would have been so cool to tap, but I don't know. Uh, but we built connections with uh, Lower Grand River watershed folks, uh, Elk Grove. Groundswell uh, through Grand Valley State is an awesome organization. If you haven't written anything down, but you haven't heard of Groundswell, you better write down Groundswell. Check them out online. Um, uh, Outdoor Discovery Center has been an ally of ours. Uh, you how Christian people can nod uh, because they're awesome. A uh, wonderful uh, resource for us in terms of looking for ideas, um, looking for all this stuff going on. And as I say all this, I think it right now could be misconstrued that I'm some kind of a pompous show-off with everything that's happening at Rockford Christian. Well, I'm proud of it, but I think I'm proud of it in a good way. So right now, let's take a quick time out. You might be thinking, what? What are you thinking? Um, standards? Um, logistics? Um, how do you do this? Um, it's not my department. Um, questions about anything so far, or thoughts? I have no idea. <laughs> um, it wasn't my fight to fight. But I do know that it's been going on behind the scenes for about seven or eight years. And um, it really got pushed back at Rockford Christian. It was a dream of Eric Burgess, who's now at Calvin Christian. Um, it was a dream of his um, to start this. Um, kept doing the legwork. Then we went through like three different principles in three different years, and everything got delayed. And then COVID hits, you know, and it's like all these curveballs coming our way. But we also have a very supportive principal right now. Um, and it's been really helpful. But I think ultimately, um, some of what I've talked about, other people have understood to be true, that 
kids don't have experiences outdoors, and we got 36 acres of land. Okay? So, I don't know the whole answer, but I just talked until I thought about something to say. <laughs> so, like, logistically speaking, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, you plan this outdoor thing, and then it's pouring rain. Yeah. Like, what? I mean, you go out still. Go outside. So then your kids come back in, and then what, they have to change their clothes? Like, again, it's like, I, know. I see, you know, how much time. Like, what do, you, do they have special? I do have a battery of, oh, right now, seven or eight middle school-worthy, middle school-appropriate uh, lesson plans in case yeah. I need them. Yeah. Um, I get big into case studies, and YouTube's great for finding information about what happened at this place, who's to blame, and great discussions, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, sidelight about that one. Um, the whole notion of going outside in the rain, we sit on a very strange way, right on the edge of two different watersheds. It goes right through our property. And getting kids to understand the concept of watershed is kind of hard. But you see on the map, it cuts right through our property. We've got one creek that goes down and flows to the south, the creek on the other end of our property that flows to the north. In the meantime, our soccer field never dries up. That's because we flattened it. Now the water doesn't know which way to go. And for kids to get out in the rain, to see that? Okay, now they understand. So, yeah, you know, I mean, if it's thundering, lightning, tornadoes, hurricanes, we'll probably stay in for most of the class. But if at all possible. We'll, we'll be outside in the winter, you know. Uh, can anybody... Oh, yeah, we got our, our, little, our little kids have these Okies. You know what I'm talking about? They look like Teletubbies, if you remember. <laughs> kind of crazy. We also have the advantage at middle school, we have three lockers per kid. Because when the school was built, they built it with this huge notion that we're going to be the biggest thing ever, right? So we got all these lockers. So uh, kids have stuff for school, they have stuff for after school and practice, and if they're lockers, they're outdoor ed locker. And we tell them, keep a pair of work gloves in your locker, keep a pair of boots in your locker, um, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. We had tents outside last year. I mean, this was a total outdoor learning, but we would put the sides on the tents, and the kids ate outside most of the yeah. fall semester. So there's other ideas that yeah, we could still go outside and be outside, but not. Yeah. All right. So I I don't want what I'm talking about to be like um, you know you starting to think that I know what's going on. This is happening and has been happening. Um, you know, you trace back the whole environmental movement. You can go back to Rachel Carson days, 1962, Silent Spring. Um, EPA gets founded in 69. It's been a short history, but we're understanding the importance of it now. Um, but I know uh, of what's going on at some places. But I need for you to hear uh, from my friend Ruben, who's at Ada Christian, uh, just what's happening at his place and how it's different than what's going on with us or how it's the same. Yeah, a little bit of uh, Ruben Sportel, ladies and gentlemen, give, he's shy. Give him a round of applause. Yeah.
Yes, I prefer to talk to smaller people, but I'll do my best. Thank you, Phil. Um, exactly. So, um, Ada Christian, I, I mean, first of all, I guess the background, I remember I taught at Dunn Christian Middle School Science for a lot of years through the Rule 3 version. But I always said, it's like, this is a great job, but if I could do something different, I looked at Phil Warners and Camp Roger and I said, I want to do that job. And then eventually, I did that for a couple of years. So that worked out. Um, and I got a lot of great outdoor education experience working at camp. And then the program um, at Ada Christian had been rolling for a little while. Uh, the person who kind of got that go on Bill Hoopstrait um, and John Borkel. So that they, Bill had retired and kind of left the opening for me to step into a really a great established outdoor education program. So I feel like I'm standing on the on shoulders of giants. What's the right way to say that phrase or whatever it is, right? There's people who've gone before me and done some really great work that I kind of lean on and get a lot from their experience as well. Um, but yeah, our aid Christian, we have a really great program. Um, there's, you know, we had some good donors and got things going and people who were behind it. And I think that was one of the things too. Uh, one of the guys behind it was John Borg when he had at CEA, I remember going to his session and talking about the same, the nature deficit disorder. And this is why we need to do this. And he was, they were getting ready to do this. And you get a lot of that enthusiasm behind it to kind of get things moving, um, to get people excited about it and realize the need for it because it really is there. Um, and then from there, you know, they, they built it and every year it keeps growing. And part of it, it, it builds itself. Like you're saying, the trails, right? There's trails, but students build those things. Um, we have lots of different things and, you know, you get donors to help maybe with some of the materials, but kids are involved in this and get parents involved in this. And then that way there's more uh, kind of more buy-in from everybody in the community. You want to get the community involved in it because you can't do it on your own. You're not going to be able to build everything. Um, and I think, you know, I want to do it before I jump into more specifics about what we have. There's, it starts small and it doesn't have to be the biggest thing, right? Any, any piece of it that you get. If it's your class and you once a quarter get outside with this really great lesson that you have, that's great, right? That's the place to start. And then people can see that and you can build off that and say, hey, this is what we're doing, and this is what outdoor education looks like. Now they have examples to say, yeah, we could do this as more of a real program. Um, yeah, and then similar to Rockford, um, my role is to see kids as like a special, we call it. So I, you know, when we do breakout things, I'm on the specials team now. So that's it. Um, and they see me every week. Um, we get K through eight. The fifth and sixth are kind of a different spot. You know, this all is the scheduling stuff, but that's, but basically every kid's, Pretty much every week is getting some time um, outside doing OE stuff. Uh, 45 minute sessions and they're a whirlwind, but we meet, we talk about what they're learning um, in class, and then we say, okay, how can we do that outside? Um, and there's so many possibilities. Like I was thinking of the ones that you shared, it's like, I don't do that and that and that, but there's, but I have a full schedule of all sorts of different things that we do. He and I are having our own round yeah. table tomorrow. <laughs> they didn't schedule a round table for us, so we're gonna get our own. Um, yeah, like, uh, all right, so next week I'll, we're going to talk kindergartners about wind, and we'll make pinwheels, and we'll show this is a, it's a weather instrument, right? The more it spins, the more wind there is, and a little kindergartners hole in there, and then if we run, they move faster, and that's great. Kids are moving. Uh, it's that experiential learning. All those things that you can learn it in the class, but if they have something they've built, and they're running around outside, it's something that the brain stuff of it, right? They have something to attach that learning to. Um, and if you have an experience, you can attach those things to it. So I see kids every week, 
do all sorts of different things. And we have trails. We have, I have a partner in this um, who, she is a goat farmer, so her goats are at our school. She cares for the goats and leads that program. And then we also have chickens, so we got a barn with goats and chickens, which is awesome. And, and the kids love animals, right? So then her role is to kind of keep those things going, and she makes sure we have our gardens going. So we got a couple of different outdoor gardens, um, and we got a hoop house and a greenhouse. It's like, again, this is like so much stuff. And I feel like I just want to make sure that you don't need all of these little pieces. And you can make your own little, you know, hoop house kind of um, like a green frame kind of thing, right? And you can start there, and there's things that you can make um, and do on your own, but there's something really awesome about kids when they, so again with the kindergartners, we had lettuce, they planted the seeds, we came back to those, and we saw the lettuce grow. We took the lettuce, put it in a bowl, and I got some ranch dressing and some radishes that they grew, chopped up the radishes, and these kids were like, this is so good. They're excited eating salad, right? And even better than that, they, they were a part of that process, and so they understand the process of where is their food coming from, right? That the disconnect of like food is just this thing that I consume and get from wherever. Um, they see that there's there's work that goes into it. Um, you know, not all the food made it, not all the seeds made it. All those parts of that process through the years, as they experience what kind of work goes into creating food, um, and what food looks like in its natural form, and how people have been eating for so long, it it brings them back to yeah, another place there. Um, I think, yeah, we do a lot of things as far as like what content we hit science in so many different ways, you know, with weather and all those sorts of things, and um, biology, there's lots of ways, right, for all the plant stuff. But then uh, try to like tie in social studies and stuff. There's so many, um, I haven't done it, but you did that one at Camp Roger with the, uh, what's that, the Revolutionary War one. Oh, Valley Forge? Valley Forge, right? Valley we had Forge some simulation. whole simulation. And it was like set up with you're out in the woods and there's all these challenges. And this, this is what, you, you tell the story and then you're giving these kids these challenges of building a shelter and starting a fire and things like that. Um, I was talking with second grade, they do Oregon Trail. And so my, in the back of my mind, what I'm working on right now is I'm going to give them wheelbarrows and I'm going to give them some challenges and we're going to go wheelbarrow across, that's their wagon. And they're going to get them pushed across the river and, you know, oh, I took this many bullets because this thing happened to you and your wagon fell over in the creek or whatever it is. And they're going to have to kind of go through and face these challenges. And then, you know, we can tell them this is what happened in the Oregon Trail and it was really hard. But then if they have this where they're actually pushing their wagon and we make them lose these things that they were invested into because they had them in their actual wagon wheelbarrow, right, that's going to be a better piece to tie into. So it's tying into those things. Um, and it's a lot, yeah, working with those teachers. We're not trying to, there is a little bit of like creating some new things, but it's mostly I'm saying, what are you learning? Um, and then how can I tie in with that? So it's building off of something. And then again, that experience now ties into that classroom. And I like, you know, when the teacher is there, um, it, it helps for the management piece of it too, because outside it's like, it's a different place. It has a different feel than the classroom. You can tell them this is our classroom right now, but it doesn't work. So it's, it's helpful for the management piece. So. And you always have that one kid who has to go to the bathroom and you get the furthest away from the school building. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so it's good to have that. But then um, when you go back to the classroom, now you have, this was that thing that you did uh, outside and they're talking about it. It's like, don't you remember when we did this outside in OE? And now their teacher will tie into that, yep. and they have that piece to build off of too. Um, 
If you uh, are local and you haven't yet, go drive by uh, Ruben's place at Ada Christian. It's There's a lot of trails. We got some maps up. You're welcome to walk around and just check things out anytime. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful spot. Thanks, Ruben. Yes. Hoop house. Yeah. Uh, it's just a. I mean, it's like one of those half domes. So if you think it's like a half hoop, right? And it's more of it's a plastic covering, so not as insulated. And can act as a greenhouse. Yep. And so we can grow cold weather stuff through the winter in there. It will get. It'll stay a little bit above freezing, right? But not as heated. So. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. What do you do with your garden? How do you keep your gardens for the summer months? Uh, me and Leah work on them. And, and so, so yeah, a couple of we have, uh, we're working on them. Um, we do a summer camp farm club thing. And so kids come once a week and they help us weed, they help us harvest, and we put it on a little market that people can come to. You know, the challenge of marketing our market is a little bit different. You know, so we're kind of, we're working through some kinks there. Um, I also would like to do kind of a more of a CSA thing. Like we got a individual raised beds. And it's like, this is a lot for us. And then people don't, they're not around in the summer. They're not showing up to buy the things. Well, what if we said, you're in charge of this bed. There's lots of families who would love to come. So I think going for next year, they get their bed. They come once a week to take care of it. And they get a share of the crops. And then, because otherwise, we're doing all the work, picking the crops, and nobody's taking you know, so we don't want to have that waste of time. Did you say sell the crops? Yes. Yep, so we have like a weekly market. Yep. There it is. All right. Um, so, thanks buddy, appreciate it. Don't, there's a couple of things. One of the big differences, I think, if you walk by Rockford Christian School and you walk by Ada Christian School, um, there's a lot more bells and whistles right now at Ada Christian. And I know Bill, who started it, wasn't necessarily, that wasn't in his mind's eye when he started it. It's beautiful. Uh, you come by Rockford Christian School, you see some of our outdoor classrooms with benches like this, with logs like this, with, uh, I don't know if Sneller's in here, but his class bird, built birdhouses the other day, and it's like, they were all cut to the same pattern, but the product ain't quite the same. <laughs> One thing Ruben did say is the buy-in when you have kids doing the work. I had a wealthy uh, father of one of our students come by and say, well, well, what do you need? He said, I need you to stay out of my way. I said it in a nice way. <laughs> my point being, I don't want um, this beautiful thing built for the kids. I want this thing being built by the kids. Um, that becomes really important. Okay, I had a ton of other things to do, but we're getting to that point where um, uh, a decent speaker would start the obligatory tie-up. I started today uh, with a tongue-in-cheek look at uh, the Beatitudes. Um, but it wasn't necessarily completely tongue-in-cheek. Because I wanted to share with you just briefly the power of divorce. Um, I was in Israel in um, 2000 and spent the afternoon at uh, the Mount of Beatitudes. It was a um, 50 degree day, kind of cloudy, uh, a little rainy. And um, 
it was just me. And I had my Bible, and I got to sit on the hillside where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. And I read that, Matthew 5, 6, 7, out loud to myself while I'm sitting outdoors where it happened. I've read the Sermon on the Mount before in my bedroom in church. It never meant anything to me compared to what it meant to me that day. Second, when I worked at Camp Roger, I would often deal with inner city of groups. Um, was Aberdeen still coming when you were there? I had a little girl from Aberdeen School um, gets off the bus. First thing she says to me, they're bears here. Nah, I don't think so. We went on a little walk, and I'll never forget. Ironically, her name was Heavenly. And Heavenly, um, we decided we we're going to bushwhack, go off trail, start bushwhacking. Heavenly stays on the trail and just starts crying. You guys, she's in sixth grade. Just starts crying. That's where the boogeyman went. I can't go in there. If we don't offer our children worthwhile experiences outdoors, why would we ever expect them to care for it later on when they get to be older? Three words in closing. Take them outside. Thank you for listening.